Hello, everyone, and welcome to Whistle in the Dark. <laughs> Sorry, it's me, it's April. Uh, let's do this. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the first season of my podcast, Whistle in the Dark, a feel-good podcast about all things terrifying. In it, I'm going to interview friends about supernatural experiences, discuss irrational fears, and feature immersive radio drama-style storytelling. If that sounds like a lot, it is. So let's start this thing. For most of my life, I tried to hide my fascination with horror. There are a couple of reasons for that. Like many people, I grew up in a religious household, and we weren't supposed to entertain these things or let them into our home. So I got it where I could. Scary stories at sleepovers, arcade zombie games, and the horror section at Blockbuster. I could never actually take any of these movies home, but I could get lost for approximately 20 seconds before my parents found me perusing the macabre video covers. I can still recall some of the standouts filtered through my 10-year-old mind. I remember the sight of a skeleton man giving me some serious side-eye on the cover of Evil Dead 2. The washed-out image of Jodie Foster's face with burgundy eyes and a moth in place of her mouth beckoned to me from the Silence of the Lambs cover. And I remember cringing at the smiling, maniacal face of Chucky, a knife in his raised hand. Sentient dolls were probably the most terrifying thing I could imagine at that age, and I have totally gotten over it. And although these things were grotesque and frightening, they still pulled me in more than anything else at the video store. I just had to know what was inside. But my mom shielded me from that knowledge for as long as she possibly could. Our religion was the only reason. I had a pretty vivid imagination as a kid. That's actually how my mom would describe me to most people. I remember her saying she has a very vivid imagination, almost as if it were a liability, I guess. And sure enough, I managed to dream up a few nightmares just from those covers alone. And that would result in a sleepless night for all of us. Trips to the library often had a similar result. Nancy Drew and Elizabeth Gale were my old standbys, but my eye would always wander over to the spooky, silly covers of Goosebumps books, which would never get past my mother. Although one time she legitimately baffled me with one of her suggestions. She pointed out this book called The Doll Who Knew the Future, and she knew my thing with dolls, and she said, that looks like a good one. And on this cover was a doll sitting in a chair with three girls crowded around her probably having a tea party while listening to whatever riveting prophecy she had. And if you thought that wouldn't be enough for my little brain to produce a nightmare, you'd be wrong. In this nightmare, I am hovering above the ground, face down, several feet in the air. And beneath me is the doll, lying in sort of a starfish position with red glowing eyes. I begin to spin while still hovering over the doll. And while this is happening, the doll is repeating the phrase, It's a good book, April. It's a good book. <laughs> anyway, back to Goosebumps. A lot of people probably remember the Evil Dummy series of books. One such book featured a needlessly terrifying dummy that no parent in their right mind would ever buy their child, sitting 
with its head cocked and mouth agape at the edge of a bright pink bed in the middle of a bright green room. And when I saw it, I was terrified. But at the same time, I wanted to take it home. But there was no way in hell my mom was letting me do that. You can guess what happened next, right? That night, I drifted off to sleep and awoke in that bright pink bed in the middle of a bright green room. I sat up and in front of me was the very same dummy. He was sitting at the edge of the bed, his back toward me. I had recreated the cover perfectly, only now I was a part of it, and I was stuck. I couldn't run, I couldn't scream, I couldn't move. All I could do was stare ahead and watch. And then, swiftly, the dummy cocked its head. I woke up, gasping, heart-pounding, and eking out one of those pathetically hoarse dream screams. But at the same time, I was more than relieved to find myself sitting in my own bed, in my own room, with my white walls and purple room-plus furniture, and not a sentient doll in sight. To this day, I haven't read any of those books, but I know none of them could be as scary as the nightmare I dreamt up from that cover. So, uh, you should have let me read it, Mom. Now look at me. Is this, uh, is there, like, a question you ask, or is there, like, a heading to this section? Um, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Megan Gonzalez. One question. Yep. Um. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, you're in a horror movie. Yeah. There are noises coming from both the attic and the basement. You have to pick one. Where do you go? I'm going attic. Basement is way too scary. Uh Yeah. Mostly because I've never really had attics. Yeah. So all my fear is basement centered. Yeah. The thing about the attic that freaks me out is that you have to put your head in first. Oh, true. Oh, gross. (laughs) You know? But yeah, with the basement, you're descending into... It's cold. It's dark. Yeah. There's weird appliances down there. Yeah. (laughs) Weird lights. Dated tube televisions. What's the pink stuff? Exposed insulation everywhere. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. you don't. You're not in there enough to know to like check up on it. Mm-hmm. Someone could have moved in down there, human or spirit. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. how like the idea of a spirit looking to move. Yeah, like house hunters for ghosts. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's like this has a great graveyard to hang out <laughs> in. Mm, I hate beer. Okay, I go now. Never have I ever stolen gum from the supermarket. <laughs> you got me. Okay, this is a little dumb with only two people. Let's do something else. Fine. How about this? I'll tell a story, and every time I use a word with the letter I in it, you have to drink. Nikki, your parents are away on a two-week book tour. We have the whole place to ourselves. Oh, we should try to find your dad's mushroom stash. Uh, he will definitely notice, and he's supposed to call after he meets up with my mom tonight, so I'd rather not be completely wasted when he does. Man, I wish I could get my parents out of the house for that long. Well, you can hook them up with my parents, and they'll write a book together. I can see it now. How to be in a healthy foursome. Gross. What if 
I make the story a scary one. Did you just have a flashlight ready to whip out for that moment? I'm setting a mood, Gina. <laughs> fine, but you have to pick a less common letter or I'll be drunk by the end of the first sentence. Okay, fine. M. That's still too- Now, little girl, I will spin you a tale of terror! <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> 57 years ago, a man named Edward went to the bookstore. <laughs> that is terrifying. Excuse me. I'm building. And you owe me a couple M's. <clears throat> Edward was lonely. As a young man, he came into a lot of money when his beloved mother tragically died in a blimp accident, but lost it all in a bad investment. He fell into a deep depression and spent his days gambling and drinking, hoping to win back the money he'd lost. His debt piled higher and higher, and his wife divorced him, and he developed type 2 diabetes. And then- Sheesh! We get it. The story should come with a trigger warning. Okay, from now on, interruptions come with drinking penalties. Now a middle-aged man, his only comfort was in the moldy, musty, mildewed old bookstore. Your funeral when I'm putting it up while you're trying to sleep later. It reminded him of his childhood, the carefree, wholesome time spent with his late mother. He would spend hours getting lost, perusing the most obscure aisles. When one day, in the darkest, most deserted corner of the store, he found a book laying on the floor, peeking out from behind a wall of shelves. It was covered in a thick layer of dust, which Edward brushed away to reveal a large black tome with gold binding. To Edward, it looked less like a book, and more like a container or vessel for something else. He picked it up, surprised to find just how heavy it was. The cover had no image, no text either. He found it hard to focus his eyes on it, in fact. The particular shade of black made him feel as though he was staring not at a physical object, but into a void, into emptiness. Edward tried to turn the pages, but they were stuck. He searched along the binding, scanned every edge, feeling for an entry point. Nothing. Nothing except a small, barely perceptible latch along the seam. One that would not open without some sort of key or tool. This was confirmation that what Edward had in his hands was not a book at all. He jostled it around, but couldn't hear any telltale noises. It seemed almost solid, but the sheer weight of the book made him conclude that something valuable must be hiding in there. Gold, perhaps, or a rare coin collection, he mused. Edward looked toward the front desk where Susan, the store owner, was speaking with another customer. He considered showing her the book, asking if it was the property of the store, but he decided against it. He needed this more than anyone else, and it probably didn't belong to the store anyway. If he just walked out now, she wouldn't even notice him. Quickly, he tucked the book under his arm and walked swiftly towards the exit, past Susan, past the customer, and out the door. Once home, Edward got to work. First, he tried to pick at the latch with a couple of bobby pins. No success. He turned to a box cutter, which he used to slice at the binding. Instead, he fumbled and sliced his own finger, dripping blood onto the front cover. He cursed and wrapped his injured finger in a handkerchief, blotting at the cover with a clean cloth. Curiously, though, it picked up nothing, as if the book had fully absorbed his blood. He realized he needed to step up his efforts and grabbed a crowbar. What, that he just had lying around? Is he Marv from Home Alone? Then, a handsaw. A power drill. Nothing worked. 
and no matter how hard he cut, sliced, or pried, no damage came to the book. Edward, on the other hand, was a sweaty, exhausted mess, his hands covered in scrapes and bruises. At 3 a.m., he finally gave up for the night and decided to head to bed. He placed the book on his bedside table and went to turn off the light when he noticed something. A face. On the book. It was faint, only an outline, but it was very much there. Two narrowed eyes. A mouth opened wide. Edward stared at it in disbelief. It seemed impossible. Surely he would have noticed that before. Was it a trick of the light? Out of curiosity, he switched off his bedside lamp and gasped at what he saw. The eyes glowed. The mouth seemed to open wider, growing bigger by the second. He quickly switched the lamp back on, and the face reverted back to the faint etching it was before. Edward tried to find a rational explanation. Maybe some sort of special invisible ink? To be safe, he decided to lock the book up in a desk drawer and went to bed. Hours later, Edward awoke to the early morning light streaming through his window. He stretched and stared up at the ceiling, listening to the birds chirping outside, when another sound caught his attention. Edward perked up. It was almost like... but it couldn't be. And then it happened again. This time, there was no mistaking it. The flip of a page. He froze. Another. Then another. Someone or something was flipping through a book. Edward slowly rose from his bed, and his eyes found their way to the desk drawer where he placed the book the night before. He removed the covers from his body, stepped out of bed, and began to approach. The sound of flipping pages grew louder, harsher. Even the drawer seemed to rattle and shake. Edward inched closer, terrified that it would burst open at any second. He reached for the key on his desk. And chucked it out his window, turned around, ran out of his apartment, and moved to another city. He kicked his addiction, got a new job, and met a nice, age-appropriate woman who he eventually married, living happily ever after. I hate you. What? That's way less predictable than anything you were going to come up with. I wasn't making it up. It's an actual urban legend. Okay. I've had enough of this portion of the night. Can we just, like, talk about people behind their backs or something? Hold on. Where are you going? Just give me a sec. Okay, close your eyes. Ugh, come on. Please, and then we can trash talk our entire class, I promise. Ugh, fine. Okay, open them. Surprise! What am I looking at? I think you know. No, I don't. This is it. The book. No. My dad found it. He's trying to branch out, write about urban mythology and all that. Nikki- My mom's pissed because he ended up missing his flight tracking this down. Okay, he probably doesn't want us to have this out. Look, you can't even get it open. It's exactly like the story described. And watch what happens when I turn off the lights. Stop! I don't want to see it. What? Are you scared now? I just don't want to mess with it, alright? I'm not saying I believe you or anything. Because I don't. Okay. Can you put it away? Yeah. Fine. See? The bad book is all gone. Okay, I'm not a five-year-old. Sorry. So, Katie Jenkins. What a bitch. Am I right? <laughs> like, what is up with that stupid shiny hair? And she's the only one who got an A on Mr. Phillips' test the other day. I know, it's like she studies. <sighs> She looks like she's 30. I know. She's like super self-assured and confident. It's like her parents love her. <laughs> I know. <laughs>
What? Are you asleep? I'm trying to be. Let's watch a movie. You go ahead. We could find my dad's mushroom stash. Mm, Ship is past. Fine. Did you hear that? Uh Uh-huh. Shut up. No, not me. Something else. Stop trying to freak me out or I'm going home. We in seventh grade again? Uh, you made me watch The Exorcist at your 12th birthday party. Who does that? It's actually kind of cheesy when you watch it again. And I don't think Danielle Rossi would agree with you. <laughs> it's the end of the podcast! <laughs> yeah, that was the end of our friendship. <laughs> Wait, shh, shh. Dude, give it up already. Seriously, stop talking. <gasps> Gina. Okay, Nikki, I've had enough. <gasps> it's in here. What are you talking about? The book. How did it get in the room? Well, clearly you put it there. When would I have done that? It's flipping by itself. How are you doing that? We have to get out of here. Are you serious? Wait! You can't just jump out the window. We're on the second floor. It's blocking the door. We have to get out of here before... Before what? Before the book flips to page 666. Oh, jeez. Okay, this isn't the time for your precocious skeptic act. Once it gets to that page, it'll be too late. It'll take us, just like it did Edward. That's the legend. Whoever attempts to open the book is devoured. Their soul is imprinted. Then they come to collect the next, and the next, and the next. All right, I'm convinced. Let's go. Edward. Is that a hand? Why are you standing there? Let's go. There's no use. I can see him. No, we can't let him out. Wait. The book's open. He's calling me. Damn it, come on. Wait. Something's wrong. That isn't... Huh? What are you doing? Burning a book. Wait, don't! Nikki, get away from it. I have to see. What are you doing? Turn the lights back on. No. No, not him. What's wrong? Edward's gone. He's trapped. It's not Edward. Wait. Is that... Dad. Guess that explains why he never checked in. So what was the biggest scare you've ever gotten from a horror movie? I won't give away any spoilers, but this was The Haunting of Hill House. And Tiga, my now husband, we were dating, I think, at the time. He has seen so many scary movies. Anything can happen. He does not react. And they have excellent jump scares. For most of them, they do kind of build them up where, like, something creepy will be happening. And then it's like, ah, ghost or whatever. So we're watching, and usually when something scary starts to happen, I would close my eyes because I'm like, I know there's going to be something really scary. I'm just not going to let myself get worked up. So I close my eyes, not watch, wait for it to pass. There's one jump scare, and everyone who's seen the show knows what it is, that comes out of freaking nowhere. And when it happened, I turned towards Tiga, grab him by the throat, and scream. (laughs) And he 
has no clue what's going on because yeah the thing on the screen is scary but suddenly he's being attacked and he just went whoa and he was like looking for me to the tv like what's happening <laughs> i gra- i like scraped his neck so hard i drew blood oh, it was God. ridiculous we probably laughed for like 10 minutes after that happened <laughs> yeah because i mean i was just grabbing at anything yeah. for protection but i grabbed his neck oh my gosh yeah that was a moment thank you everyone for listening to the first episode of whistle in the dark if you like this episode please subscribe on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you get your podcasts the first season will be released every other week so stay tuned for the second episode on friday june 3rd if you'd like me to tell any spooky stories you have, please submit them to Whistle in the Dark Pod. That's Whistle in the Dark Pod, P O D, at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Whistle in the Dark Pod or on Twitter at The Whistle Dark. See you next time. Ooh. I'll workshop that. Bye.